Hello and welcome back to the blockchain.com podcast. My name is Garrick Heilman. I'm the head of research at blockchain.com and a visiting fellow at the London School of Economics. One of the most common questions debated in crypto is whether another blockchain network can dethrone Ethereum as the leading smart contract platform. One of the challengers to Ethereum sparking the most interest is Algorand. Algorand was founded by cryptography pioneer, Turing Award winner, and MIT professor Silvio McCauley. It has attracted an impressive team, and just this week, the 2020 Nobel Prize in Economics was jointly awarded to one of Algorand's advisors, Stanford professor Paul Milgram. We're excited to share with you a recent conversation that Blockchain.com co-founder Nick Carey and I had with Steve Kokinos, CEO of Algorand. On this episode, we discussed with Steve Algorand's growing adoption for stablecoin and central bank digital currencies, what exactly it means to hold the title of CEO for a blockchain network, and of course, how Algorand compares with Ethereum and why in Steve's view, Algorand will win. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoy the episode. Uh, from Algorand, Steve Kokinos. Am I, am I getting that right? Uh, help, help us with yeah. the no, you got it. It's perfect. No, thanks for having me. Excellent. Well, uh, Nick already introduced you. So uh, just with the time we have, we'd love to jump into um, you know, more about you and Algorand. And, and uh, maybe uh, it's always fun to hear with, with uh, newcomers kind of how they first got involved with crypto and blockchain. Can you tell us your, your story before we get to, get to Algorand? Yeah. So I... Um... You know, I'm a serial entrepreneur and I, I started my first business uh, when I was uh, 19, when I was still in college. And it was, was mid-90s to date myself. Uh, so, you know, really early days of the internet. And, you know, that was a, a fascinating uh, time for sure. Uh, and, you know, built, you know, several companies and uh, helped take, uh, take them public or sell them. And um, ran a company called Fuse for about 10 years before this. And I'd had several friends who were, early Bitcoin miners who had been, you know, encouraging me to sort of check it out and get involved, but just didn't really have any time. Uh, and I guess sort of end of 16, early 17, um, you know, I, I had more time on my hands and, you know, started looking into it and found that it was really fascinating, um, both technically and, you know, just to get familiarized, uh, I set up some miners with my kids in our basement and, you know, we started just understanding how everything worked. Uh, but what really excited me was that, you know, it was the first thing I had seen in 20 years that had the same level of dynamism and uh, had some of the same philosophical underpinnings um, as, as uh, were there kind of in the early days of the internet, especially around decentralization and, uh, you know, really inclusion, in this case, financial, you know, in the early days of the internet it was more about, um, you know, giving people the power to sort of publish their own ideas versus having to rely on, on you know, big media. And so, uh, you know, um, as I started to, you know, look into it more, I had been talking to um, Pillar, which is a Boston-based VC and Union Square Ventures, uh, and, you know, ultimately was introduced to Silvio McCauley and uh, found Silvio both to be, uh, you know, brilliant, but also, you know, had really fascinating ideas on um, how to evolve the system. And I think what he saw was that, um, Bitcoin was really innovative and uh, an amazing use of both cryptography and distributed computer science, um, but also had challenges as a first generation tech that needed to be overcome if you were going to 
um, you know, really scale to everyone in the world using uh, using digital money. And so, you know, kind of discussions move from there. And so I, I, you know, obviously I think I was pretty lucky to be introduced to a guy like Silvio along my journey of just sort of learning about the tech and understanding, but um, things sort of developed from there. So that's, that's, you know, really how I got into it, but it's been, uh, it's been an adventure for sure since then. For those that don't know who Silvio Macaulay is, uh, Steve, can you just give us a quick rundown on his bio as he is one of the most prominent and, you know, important cryptographers, mathematicians of his, of his cohort? Uh, for sure. And I would encourage anybody here to, you know, go look uh, up Silvio. Um, he's, he is by all accounts, one of the founders of modern cryptography. Um, he's a winner of the Turing Prize, which is the um, you know, sort of highest honor in, in computer science um, and contributed to, um, you know, many of the cryptographic primitives that help secure uh, the internet and banking systems, um, but also is uh, specifically the inventor of zero knowledge proofs and verifiable random functions, both of which are used broadly in, in you know, many different blockchain approaches. Um, so, you know, very interesting person, um, has been a longtime professor at MIT, uh, and really helped create their cryptography um, practice in the computer science uh, department and uh, or uh, cryptography um, department. And I think more than that, you know, I think a lot of the uh, you know sort of innovations and a lot of the people uh, who are you know big contributors in the cryptographic field um, were either students of his or have collaborated with him along the way. So it's uh, um, you know definitely he's an influential figure in in, um, in that world. Thanks, Steve. So um, I'll take the first question. I'm, I know Garrick has a bunch of them, so uh, I'll let him follow up. But um, just for, for everyone's introduction to it, you know, in your own words, like, can you please describe, you know, what, what is the fit to purpose, you know, sort of vision for Algorand and how does it kind of fit between Bitcoin, Ethereum, and maybe some of the um, newer other cryptocurrency protocol projects? Um, so yeah, give us sort of the, you know, the layman's overview of, of what is Algorand working toward achieving? Sure. So um, I'd say at, at the most basic level, Algorand is uh, a ground up effort. Um, so it's entirely new technology. Um, it is both a consensus protocol um, and a smart contract platform. And I'll explain how we approach that. That's a little bit different. Um, one of the unique attributes of, of Algorand is that uh, the consensus protocol, instead of being proof of work like Bitcoin or Ethereum, um, is uh, proof of stake. But it's a particular form of proof of stake um, that we call pure proof of stake. Uh, and really what that means is that instead of uh, miners controlling the network, it's actually the users um, that contribute to the security and consensus of the network. Uh, and every user can be called on at random to propose a block. Every user can be called on at random to validate a block. And as a result um, of how that uh, effectively lottery works, uh, it means that nobody knows who the next block proposer will be and nobody knows who will be involved in confirming a block. And the validation is actually passed along with the block. And so really one of the, the goals of Algorand is to be able to um, have consensus run you know, effectively um, as fast as possible. Um, and you know, today it takes about four seconds to confirm a block. Um, all blocks are immediately final uh, and you know, we can handle about a thousand transactions per second. Um, and you know, that will be increasing over time. Um, we're gonna be announcing several performance steps uh, to the protocol soon. But the idea also is that um, as you scale, if you scale to hundreds of millions or billions of users over time, um, Algorand's performance characteristics always stay the same um, and doesn't require additional compute. It doesn't require um, power consumption. And so it's also very efficient from a, a resource utilization standpoint. So that's at the basic uh, kind of basic level 
um, what Silvio really sought out to do um, with the protocol is solve this sort of so-called blockchain trilemma, where you could pick two out of scalability, security, and decentralization. Um, he felt that they could all be solved, but really it just required it required novel um, approaches to, to solve some old computer science problems, um, like form a new form of Byzantine agreement and, and, and other things. Um, I would encourage anybody to go, uh, Silvio has many videos uh, explaining simply how the protocol works and um, you know, for anyone who's interested, please go check that out. The second part is, you know, we've spent a lot of time thinking about um, how you need to operate at scale and how people use smart contracts um, and other primitives. And so um, subsequent to the launch, we've rolled out several um, protocol upgrades. Um, one uh, created what we call ASAs, which are Algorand standard assets, the ability to create any form of asset that you'd like. Um, we have atomic transfers, the ability to atomically swap either one asset, one party, or multi-asset, multi-party. And then we have a layer one smart contract language um, that allows for both stateless and stateful smart contracts. And so I think in, in one of the things that's different about Algorand is that everything that we've done is in layer one. Everything takes on the safety and security of the protocol itself. And I think what that means in simple terms is that uh, as you people look to do things like have programmable money, doing that at scale, being able to execute transactions um, very fast is important. Um, in Algorand, smart contracts run at the same speed as a simple transaction. Um, there's no performance penalty for, for using any of the features. And we think that as you start to get to scale of um, you know, hundreds of millions of users to countries wanting to deploy digital money, you know, those are the kinds of things that are, are necessary. You need uh, an approach that's both very secure and, and uh, performs well as you scale to, to you know, many users. Thanks, Steve. Garrett? Great. Um, Steve, love to um, jump into the topic of governance. Um, there's a kind of you know running joke in in the Bitcoin space, as I'm sure you may have run across the you know the the lack of a the CEO of Bitcoin, various references to that, and the lack thereof. Um, you, you hold the title of CEO. Can you talk us through about Algorand's governance? Uh, you know your role in that and the different structures that. Um, help govern the whole whole community in, in technology. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think there's certainly a lot of different approaches that um, that the people have looked at. At Algorand, it's actually pretty simple. Um, so I'm actually the CEO of Algorand Inc. We're a U.S.-based company, and Algorand Inc. is the core developer of the Algorand protocol, or one of the core developers. And um, we're really focused on ongoing innovation in the blockchain space. If you look at um, uh, the way the company is set up, Silvio manages. Uh, our, our research organization you know, published dozens of papers post-launch. So we're always looking at ways that we can innovate, we can contribute to standards, and then always looking to enhance um, the protocol and, and you know, also look at, at ways we can bring new tools um, that people might find useful to the, uh, the market. Um, definitely the focus on layer one, not trying to, um, you know, we're not trying to boil the ocean, we're trying to, to be, uh, take on kind of hard challenges and, and roll those out. I think secondly, um, you know, if you look, I think, you know, Silvio is really the kind of spiritual leader of, of the Algorand community and uh, more broadly, um, you know, very influential in, in cryptography. And so I, I think when we also uh, think that there's a role uh, to be sort of an early curator and also just help educate new people coming into the market. I think one of the things that we feel really strongly about is that while there's a vibrant community in crypto today, it's small. 
even just looking at developers, there's only 100,000 or so developers that build blockchain and crypto solutions today, but there's 20 million that don't. And so I think there's a lot of scope to go encourage new people to come in and, and uh, participate in, in the community and, and uh, really grow it and encourage mainstream applications to show up with you know, tens or hundreds of millions of users. So that's, that's a focus that, uh, that we have. The Algorand network, um, i.e. the public permissionless blockchain is uh, governed loosely by the Algorand Foundation. Um, they're responsible for, uh, you know, for, for that end of things. And so really Algorand Inc is a technology company and we're focused on you know, kind of a innovation and, and building and the Algorand Foundation, uh, which is based in Singapore, uh, is responsible for early governance of the network, although over time the you know, network will govern itself. Great, thanks for that. One of the things that Algorand's doing right now uh, is, is solving you know, scalability issues around stable coins. We've seen you know, network fees on Ethereum go through the roof. Uh, and uh, Circle and, and you know USD Coin, uh, you know, uh, you know, started operating on top of the Algorand network. Love to hear more of um, about about solving that that scalability problem right now for for you know coins like like the stable coins that are seeing massive growth. And also, if you don't mind, from a user experience perspective, because we're at Blockchain.com, super focused on user experience. Just thinking through about how you know a USD coin now is on multiple blockchains on Ethereum on Algorand, how that um, plays for users and, and what is kind of the optimal kind of end state if if the current situation is suboptimal from a user experience perspective and trying to make you know crypto as simple as possible. Um, yeah, well, so why don't I take the second second part first and then I'll uh, I'll, I'll loop back around on the first. Um, we think that user experiences are incredibly important. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think it goes back to, you know, what I just said a minute ago, which, which is really, we need to think about one, uh, how to encourage more developers to come. And so I think that that means we need much simpler developer experiences. Um, one of the things we've focused uh, quite a bit on is, you know, having how to's and, uh, you know, kind of easy guides for people to follow code examples, um, but also just creating libraries and SDKs um, that are for the languages that people already use. We think that, you know, there's sort of a minimum that people want to actually have to learn that's new. Um, and that, you know, right now, all of the plumbing that people have to learn in crypto is just much, much too complicated, um, you know, for, uh, for people that are looking to come and, and really just build applications that, that work for their end users. So I think that's one end, um, you know, on the other side of it, uh, you know, um, we definitely are excited that uh, USDC and other stable coins like Tether have decided to, um, you know, uh, deploy an Algorand. We think having native stable coins and, you know, a variety of assets uh, enhances the value for anybody who's creating applications. And I can give kind of a, a quick example. Um, Republic uh, has recently deployed on Algorand as well. Um, they have a regulated security token uh, that they use for crowdfunding, but they actually pay out dividends to their users in USDC. And so based on your holding of the Republic security token, this is all done natively on chain. They have smart contracts will then pay you out in USDC. And so we think that that's uh, the kind of application that having stable coins on chain is a real enabler for. Now, I think certainly, um, you know, right now, uh, the fact that, you know, different assets are starting to look, live on different chains um, can be complicated. I think it's really, um, you know, the developers and the end user applications that have to really take care of that simplicity for people. And so the second part 
uh, to your question, which I think is linked to the, the first part of the question, is that we think that both developer experiences and end user experiences have to improve a lot. And I know you guys are, you know, philosophically on the same page at blockchain.com and making it like really great for people. But I think there needs to be more and more of that. And I, the way we think about um, a blockchain like Algorand is that, you know, really uh, blockchains need to become a public utility, just like the internet is, or electricity is, or you know, water is. And, uh, and that more and more as developers um, start to get more comfortable, um, we think that a platform like Algorand um, would be more of a sort of a decentralized resource that people use, but akin to something like AWS in the way that uh, when you fire up Netflix and watch a show, you know, they're relying on AWS in the back end. There's an AWS advertisement in Netflix, so the end user need not know that. And so I think it's very important that we give the right tools to developers, but then also the people building applications really think about the end user experience and make sure that they're using uh, decentralized tools in a way that benefits the end user, um, but not necessarily sharing the complexity of what's going on behind the scenes with them. Thanks. I had a question for you, um, Stephen. You know, Garrick's done a lot of research over the last few years around studying um, the heuristics and the, the specifics of you know different network activities. Um, it's partially uh, a, to kind of to create a dialogue around what are we supposed to be looking for um, on these public ledger tools, whether it's you know total transactional volume, economic velocity, the you know the actual economics of the the distribution of the coins, these things. So from your perspective, you know, what are the core network transactional um, metrics that you think matter for Algorand and what are you looking for in terms of trying to, to, to drive those in a, in a positive direction? What, what should we be looking for? Yeah, well, so uh, first uh, I'll just uh, encourage everyone to stay tuned. Um, we're gonna be publishing, uh, we're gonna have a stats dashboard um, that we publish ourselves to help people um, you know, understand what's going on on chain. I think one of the problems is that it's it's a little bit of a you know apples and oranges comparison that tends to happen uh, between chains and across chains, um, and that can be whether it comes to performance, um, where you know many people claim performance, but a lot of them made shortcuts uh, around decentralization, which is so. I we focused a lot on decentralization. So I, I think there's you know different ways that need to be thought about it. And, and I think that ultimately there needs to be a standard view on some of this stuff. But I, I think a, to just answer your question simply, um, I, I think there's no one simple answer, um, but we think transaction, transactional volume, number of wallets uh, on chain, you know, number of active wallets, uh, you know, also uh, things like transactions per second that, that people are seeing is, is important, um, you know, but separately, uh, you know, also economic activity is important as well, but it can be quite a bit harder to understand. And I think it's definitely the case that there are dApps um, that drive a lot of transactional volume, but not necessarily a lot of economic activity. And then there's separate applications that have, you know, very low transactional volume, but might be high value in terms of each transaction. So you need to kind of weigh all of those things. But I think from our, um, our standpoint, um, you know, just looking at sort of growth trends is important. You know, and if you look uh, you know, at Algorand, uh, we have around 6 million wallets that have been created today. Those are largely derived from, you know, a number of different dApps that have deployed on the, on the, uh, the platform and uh, some of the stable coins and others that are, are live. And so, you know, we're continuing to, to track that. But um, I think everyone, you need to sort of look at, you know, each chain, look at the characteristics and, you know, just look at not only like absolute numbers, but what are the trends in terms of, you know, does it look like there's more usage happening 
um, is a growing for us, you know, seeing new applications deploy on chain is something that we get really excited about. And so we've been happy to see, uh, you know, see that as well. A super important reminder for first time crypto curious when they're looking at different, you know, protocols that uh, not all of them are made equally and um, it is difficult to compare them sometimes. So it does require I think, significant study. Um, Garrett, why don't you ask the next one? Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks for asking that question, Nick. And yeah, just to just to add on to that, I think I think this is a, a real area that we all need to work together as an industry on to, to get, um, you know, also just kind of reliable metrics as well. It's it's still, you know, possible to game, you know, metrics. And, and so there's a challenge there, uh, particularly, especially with, uh, you know, networks that have very low transaction fees, of course, and, and um, where there isn't that that friction built in economically. But but I appreciate the work you guys are doing there, Steve, to, to um, highlight more of the key stats. I look forward to seeing that. Um, uh, I wanted to, if you don't mind, go back in time a little bit. And this gets into um, the questions around the importance of community and brand and, and kind of building moats around networks um, and, and talk about um, you know, the launch of Algorand. And um, just kind of looking back now, uh, you know, what's your perspective on how that was managed? You know, there's been a lot of discussion in the DeFi space this summer about fair launches. You know, uh, what is a fair launch? <laughs> how do we define that? Uh, and so on. I'd love to hear your perspective on sitting here now in October 2020, um, you know, with hindsight about the Algorand launch, how that was managed. Uh, how happy are you here today? What is the legacy of, of, of kind of how launches uh, are conducted in terms of the brand, the community? And, and I think everyone recognizes that's a really important part of kind of building a moat, building a, a growing, healthy blockchain uh, network. Um, but how does the launch play into that? What's your, what are your thoughts on, on how Algorand conducted its launch? Well, I think the launch generated a lot of interest for sure. Um, you know, we tried a novel auction format, you know, at the time, um, you know, look, it, I think there were pros and cons to doing it that way. Um, I think, you know, at, at the same time, you know, obviously we weren't, uh, you know, this wasn't like a, uh, you know, a Bitcoin style launch where, um, you know, there were no stakeholders. And, you know, I think there were definitely some challenges that had to get worked through early on. You know, I think at the same time, sometimes, you know, I'd say we want to be seen as a project that's, you know, willing to try new things and uh, that's going to continue to innovate. And I, I think that we've, uh, we've definitely done that. You know, I think if you look today, fast forward to 15 months later, um, you know, there's over 400 com companies or projects that we know about that are, uh, are building on top of the Algorand network. Um, you know, we've had, uh, you know, several hundred assets launched. We're seeing, you know, a lot of interesting traction out there. Uh, we're seeing very healthy growth in terms of adoption on the network and, and users being added. So I think from all those standpoints, like more traditional metrics, um, definitely, I think we're um, excited about that. We're also seeing in terms of our share of voice across the crypto community that continue to grow. Um, and, I, you know, I think one of the things that, that we've, we also had to, to deal with that was a little bit lesser known is that, you know, when you're launching a the first public permissionless network, making sure that there's enough tokens online and there's participants in the network has to happen kind of at, at launch and there has to be a bootstrapping process. And so um, we definitely put a high priority on security. Uh, and, you know, I, I think that that, um, you know, that, that sort of further complicated things. On the flip side, uh, 
you know, we've had uh, no network stalls. Our network has been completely reliable. Even as we've added transactional load, uh, those characteristics haven't changed at all. And I think people are starting to notice that in the community. So, um, you know, look, I, I think we've got some things right. We've got some things wrong. Uh, I think that's true of every project. And I think we definitely have uh, worked with the community to try to correct uh, problems where they, uh, they exist. And at the same time, I think um, what we've found is that there's a lot of receptivity and a lot of sort of latent demand in the market for projects that had to deploy, say, in a permissioned way, because there was simply no way to get the scalability they needed. And you know, I think that's what excites us is that uh, we're definitely seeing signs of uh, mainstream adoption starting to happen. And I think that um, you know, we feel really excited that the fact that we got out, we have a you know year and a half of uh, of track record now and performance in the network. I think that really helps. The other is, and I think this is one thing Algorand is really known for. Um, is both consistent innovation. Um, we've put out probably more uh, innovation and forward-looking um, research uh, in the past year and a half since launch than, than we did you know, prior to launch. And we've also had you know, three meaningful upgrades uh, to the protocol since then, all of which I think um, are pretty universally viewed as being high quality and uh, you know, very good computer science work. So I think in terms of you know, our, our focus, um, it's to just continue to do the things that we know uh, know well and do an excellent job of and let the community take advantage of the tech and, you know, build other tools and things around it and kind of help the network grow. And, you know, that's going to continue to be uh, what we focus on going forward is, is really kind of core tech and working with the community to kind of do other stuff. So, you know, so far, I think we're, we're really happy with how things have progressed. But yeah, I mean, it's, uh, listen, anybody who's launched a, a protocol, a, a public protocol knows it's an app, it's an adventure. And, uh, you know, the crypto markets are, uh, are, are um, you know, very dynamic and, you know, I think all those things kind of play into it. But, you know, our goal also is to get out and be one of the, you know, early next gen chains uh, that hit the market and to be able to build up some credibility for, you know, um, kind of the tech and the way it performed. And I think, you know, so far so good as far as that stuff goes. Great. Uh, thanks so much for, for sharing that perspective. And yeah, 100% agree. There is no uh, like well-defined playbook here. Uh, we're all learning, groping, experimenting, and um, uh, as we go here. Um, I've got a few more questions, Nick, if that sounds good, that I could. Yeah, I think I've got one more. I, well, I've got one more, but um, it's probably like a good summary wrap-up one. So maybe I'll let okay. you go next. <laughs> but, you know, we, we've been talking about stable coins. Steve, I'd love to hear um, your perspective on central bank digital currency. Uh, you know, Brian Brooks offered some comments yesterday at LA Blockchain Summit. I presented there as well. Uh, hot topic, uh, you know, the U.S. digital dollar. Uh, we've had the Fed, you know, you're in Boston, uh, recently partner up with, uh, with the MIT Digital Currency Initiative. Can you talk through about how you and Algorand are involved with various central bank digital currency initiatives and just give us your perspective on that whole subject? Um, sure. Well, I, I think the central bank digital currency discussion in general is a, is a fascinating topic. Um, and uh, for those who don't know, um, you know, uh, that's definitely an area of interest for Algorand. Um, we announced earlier this year uh, that the Marshall Islands is going to be deploying their national cur currency on Algorand. Um, so we're really excited to, to work with them on that. I think it's uh, certainly one of the first uh, central bank digital currencies to emerge. You know, at the, at the same time, um, we're seeing a, a big upswing in interest uh, from many different countries 
on uh, deploying uh, you know digital currency and I, I think there's a few drivers behind that um, you know one I think China for sure is taking a leadership position in terms of moving quickly to uh, launch a large-scale central bank digital currency um, and I, I think more broadly is is really leaning into blockchain as a country and uh, I think that's very interesting and um, on that note uh, Algorand is one of uh, I believe five uh, public blockchains uh, that's part of the BSN which is um, a uh, you know uh, approved um, blockchain for China, and so there'll be public Algorand network in China that people will be able to use, and so we think that that's um, a, a real uh, positive development. Um, the, the second, though, on, on sort of central bank currencies is that I think in the current sort of world environment, um, one uh, there's sort of a question of uh, whether people should be really handling physical money. Uh, and I think that a lot of people are really deciding that that's maybe not such a good idea going forward. And then I think, you know, separately, um, there's many countries for which uh, access to decentralized networks and new forms of financial services um, could really improve um, prosperity for their people. And so I think that that's, that's being looked at a lot. And now at the same time, I think um, what gets us excited at, at Algorand is also uh, that, you know, when you look at the designs that Silvio and our research team work on, you know, they spend a lot of time thinking about both scale, but also, you know, long running, uh, long running tools and being a sort of software that stands the test of time. And I think when you look at, at it from the perspective of, you know, a country like, you know, let's take the US or others, you know, they have to think on very long time horizons, you know, will this tech be secure not only today, but will be secure in 100 years or 50 years. And so really thinking about those those things. And I um, I think that's something that our kind of our researchers have been focused on a lot. But it's I think definitely it's more now a point of um, when central bank digital currencies are coming, not if. Uh, and I think that's shifted a lot over the past um, you know year or so from people who are more experimenting to now we're seeing uh, you know central banks getting more aggressive about it. And I think that you know one of the interesting things that we've Learn from our discussions is that, uh, you know, I think central banks really vary, value transparency and would like to be more flexible in the market um, than just interacting with banks. Now, maybe not interacting with every single person in a, in a country, but being able to sort of expand the scope of, of their services and, and be more inclusive, even in their world, um, is, is interesting. So I, I think that definitely there's different models. Some are retail central bank currencies that end users would use. Others are more bank to bank central bank digital currencies that would be more of a, a you know, a way of creating simpler lending opportunities and, and clearing, um, you know, we'll see how it all shakes out. But, um, you know, definitely, I think it's uh, very interesting. And I, I think we've been, you know, really happy also to see the, you know, detail and, and our attention to detail that, um, you know, many different people are taking in terms of really understanding the technology before they um, would potentially deploy it to, uh, to a country. Great, thanks for that. Nick, do I have time for one more before you wrap it up with your last question? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so the proverbial Ethereum killer question, of course, um, <laughs> uh, your perspective on just, you know, looking ahead, uh, we've got a lot of work, as you mentioned, to do in terms of bringing, you know, more users into the space. We have millions, but certainly not billions. Um, but looking ahead, do you see a world where there's a relatively small number of kind of dominant blockchains networks that are, are you know, in use, not a, a massive number. And if, um, if yes, you know, uh, how does Algorand win and, and compete against kind of blockchain networks like Ethereum that have a huge head start in terms of community network effects, dApps, 
et cetera. Just give us your standard, how we win kind of spiel here. Yeah, well, I think it's sort of a combination of, of different things that, uh, that, that you mentioned. I, I think first of all, um, you know, there's no major tech wave that has ever happened that led to a single technology being the only thing that people use. Uh, and so I don't think it's likely here that we're talking about gonna be one chain or one technology. It could be a collection of, of uh, chains that um, are, you know, are each probably used for slightly different things. Um, you know, I think in terms of, you know, if you take Bitcoin as an example, I think it's clearly established itself as the reserve currency of, of the crypto space. And, and, you know, I don't see that changing. Uh, I think on the Ethereum side, you know, Ethereum uh, has created a lot of innovation. Obviously, it's a fascinating place right now on the DeFi front. But I think as you start to look at some of these, you know, larger scale applications that, that we've been talking about, um, whether it's, you know, retail applications for stable coins or uh, central bank currencies or others, I think there's just a simple fact that, you know, Ethereum simply can't scale to handle those users. It's congested, uh, even with sort of the tens of thousands of users that are on there every day today, um, you know, performing DeFi transactions. And so I think there's a sort of a simple reality that if uh, blockchains or blockchain users are going to scale to hundreds of millions or billions of users, they need platforms like Algorand to simply be able to accommodate uh, that users, those users and that transactional volume. Um, and I think that's where uh, we've simply taken this a different approach where when you think about programmable money, you know, transactions, uh, even if they're more complex, have to run at the speed of the chain, has to support, you know, be able to support hundreds of millions of users and, you know, needs to do that in a way that isn't generating enormous transaction fees um, because otherwise it simply won't work. I don't, I think when you think about use blockchain making the world more efficient and making it easier for people to transact and participate, you know, it can't cost high, you know, lots of money per transaction for that to happen. And so I think, you know, Ethereum has a, a very vibrant community. There's a lot of invention and interesting things going on there. I, I think the DeFi developments and sort of what that means for governance and other things are, are very, very interesting. But at the same time, um, I think, you know, the blockchain community and the crypto community needs to grow by adding users. And that means more developers, more users, and you need to be able to accommodate them uh, and actually be able to scale uh, to support those applications. And I think at Algorand, that's what we're really focused on is when people have high scale applications they want to deploy, uh, they want to create things like programmable money and financial products and be able to do that in a way that's secure and always, uh, you know, inexpensive for them to do uh, where they have predictability you know, we can be, we can really be that platform. And I think there's a, you know, a gap in the market uh, that needs to be filled and, you know, that'll help the whole market grow. Um, it's not obviating the need for platforms like Ethereum or Bitcoin, um, but I definitely think there is more needed in the market than, than has existed up until now. So, you know, we're excited to, to kind of, um, you know, continue to establish ourselves. We're starting to see, you know, great user growth on the network and, um, you know, excited to, to watch what people build. Thanks, Steve. All right. So what can we look forward to that uh, you're excited about that you can share with us, um, you know, in the near term roadmap uh, that you guys have been concentrating on? Um, so give us maybe a, a peek over the horizon on uh, what the, the team over has been uh, focused on. Yeah, so there's a few few different things that are on our, our near term roadmap that we're and we're really excited about all of them. I think they're, they're going to be um, great. Um, one is um, 
and we'll be sharing more about this soon, uh, we're going to be building a uh, permissionless uh, token bridging system uh, that allows people will allow people to move assets on and off of Algorand. Um, and we think that interoperability in general is a, is a big theme. And so we've really been focused on thinking about how you do that in a decentralized way. And you know, even though people need to work between chains, uh, there needs to be a, a way of doing that without having to rely on, on centralized parties. So that's, that's one area we'll be sharing more about. Um, second is uh, we think performance is something that you know, always needs to be improved. Uh, you know, we expect to move, you know, today uh, Algorand uh, runs at about 1100 TPS. Uh, we'll be moving that to something probably closer to 10,000 um, by the beginning of the year. So we're going to be announcing more on how we're doing that soon. Um, we, and we think that keeping performance as sort of a non-issue is, uh, is, is important. And so uh, we want to be way out ahead of that. So I think that's second step. And, and um, as we've done with everything else, those enhancements will be done without sacrificing decentralization, without sacrificing um, finality or, or anything else. And we'll probably actually uh, come with the network running faster than it is today. So we're excited about, uh, about that for sure. And then, uh, you know, moving forward from there, we've, we announced recently our uh, collaboration with Blockstack on Clarity, which is a smart contract language. Um, we think in pursuit of creating simpler and simpler experiences, um, while our layer one smart contracts are useful in many cases, there are also longer running applications and applications that require more compute. And uh, we think that that's going to be uh, a good way forward. And so uh, we already published a research paper on our um, layer two smart contracts. Uh, that's something that we're actively working on as well, and um, you know, expect to see see coming out soon. And you know, I think all of those things together, you know, we think ultimately will make for um, you know a very uh, easy development experience for people who want to come and, and build you know any sort of blockchain or Web three application. Great, thanks, Steve, and uh, appreciate your team's hard work on all this stuff. Uh, increasing transaction per second is something almost everyone on all chains would like to see more of. Um, so thank you very much. And uh, we're keen to watch that partnership with Blackstacks come to fruition as well. Um, we ran a large airdrop program with that team earlier this year and uh, huge supporters of the work that they're concentrating on. So um, without further ado, we're coming up on an hour here. So um, really want a special thanks to Steve uh, for coming and giving us his views on the complexities of launching a cryptocurrency public blockchain project from zero to, to 60 um, and pr pretty significant um, you know, progress you guys have made as a community over the last year. So thanks for everything. Uh, Garrett, Charlie, the rest of the team at blockchain.com. Thank you guys so much. I'll give you parting words, Steve. Yeah, well, thank you guys so much for having me. We really appreciate uh, the support and, and thanks for everyone for tuning in. Um, uh, you know, We'll look forward to sharing more with everyone soon. Great, all right. Thanks everyone. Have a wonderful evening or a good day to you <laughs> wherever you are. <laughs>